You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We have several observations over here. First of all, why would Jibra'il squeeze him like that? Why? You don't do that to an average person, hurt him like that, let alone a messenger of God. That's wrong for an angel to come and traumatize a man like that. But hey, this is the same Jibra'il who split his heart out, right? He'll probably do other things. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> Once I read, you know, a comment one of our scholars was making, he, he was very furious about this. He's like, well, when Jibra'il did that and he tried to kill him, why didn't he, as Bukhari say, punch him in the face like Musa did? <laughs> when the angel of death came to take the life of Musa, what, do you know what Bukhari says? Bukhari says, Musa punched him in the face, he gave him a black eye. The angel of death went back to Allah, and he says, oh God, Musa didn't let me take his soul. He punched me and you see I have a black eye. And then Allah told Musa, hey, why did you do that? This is Bukhari, Bukhari says this. So this scholar says, you know, why didn't the prophet, is, is, was Musa, Musa, was he more courageous than the prophet? Couldn't Musa do the same thing? Astaghfirullah. So why would Jibra'il do that to him? Why would you traumatize an angel like the prophet? Such a beautiful human being, the best of God's creation. Yes, brother. Payback for the angel of death, good one. So that's the first, you know, observation that we have here. It doesn't add up, you know, there's no reason why Jibra'il would do that. Secondly, when the Prophet kept telling him, I can't read, I can't read, right? During the first time, did the Prophet believe in what Jibra'il was telling him when he told him read? And the Prophet said, I can't. Was he believing in what Jibra'il, Jibra'il telling him or not? If you say the Prophet was telling Jibra'il, hey, you know, I'm not believing in what you're telling me. This is nonsense. I can't take this. What kind of a Prophet is that who rejects the message of an angel and accuses the angel of, you know, fabricating? If he believed in the, in, in, in the angel and in the message that Jibra'il was delivering to him, then why would Jibra'il do that a second time, a third time and traumatize him. If the guy is believing in you, let him go. Just give him the message. So something doesn't add up. Number three, what does it mean for the Prophet to say, I'm not a reciter? Did he give him a book to read from for, he, for him to say that? No, there was no book involved. It was just verbal verses that Jibra'il communicated to the Prophet. So what does it mean for the Prophet to say, I'm not a reciter? I'm not a reader, doesn't make sense. And on top of that, when Jibra'il told him read, he didn't tell him what to read. Read what? The first time he says read and the Prophet says, I'm not a reciter, so he suffocated him, right? Well, he didn't tell him what to read. What is he supposed to read? The third time he told him, then he started reading, so what was he supposed to read? It doesn't make sense. It's not like he was given a book and Jibra'il is like, okay, read this book. No, 
there was no book involved so the whole story just doesn't make sense But their version of the story is very clear that he had no clue what was going on. We'll read some other versions. This is just Bukhari. Just wait till you see some other uh, versions over here. Number four, how can a prophet, how can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send a prophet who doesn't know what's going on? And waraqa, the genius has to discover it. What kind of a religion is this? The prophet whom you've chosen over 100, almost 124,000 prophets, the best of all prophets, he's got no clue what's going on, his heart is shaking, he's been traumatized, but some guy called Waraqa bin Nofan, he knows exactly what's going on and he has to reassure the prophet that no, you are a prophet. Why would God do that? He's going to send someone who doesn't even know that he doesn't, he doesn't even know what to expect, but Waraka knows what's going on. That's unjust. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, these are not his own ways. Number five, if the prophet with his own eyes he saw the angel, yet he had doubts and Waraka had to confirm to him that no, don't have doubts. This is not a demon, this is not a devil, this is the angel from God. If the prophet with his own eyes seeing the angel, yet he had initially some doubts. Do you blame the people for doubting his message when they didn't even see the angel? Can we even blame the people for rejecting? When he himself is doubting in the beginning, why blame others for doubting his message? He's seeing the angel with his eyes. People at least didn't see the angel with their eyes. It just doesn't add up. It absolutely does not make sense. Let's look at the version that Tabari tells us. The version that Tabari tells us, when the angel came to him, he was so traumatized, he, the prophet said, I have gone mad. I'm going crazy and I am going to the cliff of a mountain and I'm going to kill myself. The prophet, he himself said that. He tells Khadija, when he tells her about the situation, he tells Khadija, Khadija, I was going mad and I wanted to kill myself. The prophet, according to these Sunni traditions, he tried to commit suicide because it was so heavy on him. He couldn't handle it, he was traumatized, so as, as he was about to kill himself, Jibra'i told him, no, 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 you're, don't worry, I'm a, I'm a messenger from God and he comforted him. He had to do that several times to stop the prophet from killing himself. I'm not going to judge here, you be the judge. What do you think of these narrations? Which Muslims accept till this very day unfortunately? Many of them don't know about this. But those who have read these books, yeah, they do accept them. Especially the version of Bukhari. Bukhari is just like Quran to them, right? Anything in Bukhari they'll accept. Now Bukhari doesn't mention he tried to kill himself. Other you know, versions of the story mention that, but a lot of them do accept these versions. 
What kind of a prophet is that who's trying to commit suicide? Does that add up? This is unjust, this is injustice brothers and sisters, injustice in our books. We blame non-Muslims for attacking the Prophet, look how we describe him. The most pivotal point in his lifetime, he's receiving revelation, his mission started, the guy thinks he's gone mad and he wanted to commit suicide and Khadija had kept, she had to reassure him that no, no, God wouldn't do this to you, it's not a demon, it's not a shaitan, it has to be a messenger and he's confused about that actually, he doesn't know what's going on. Yes, there's many and, and, and some Western academics who've written about the life of the Prophet, they have used these versions unfortunately. But see even when we humanize someone, it should not be to the point where we desecrate the honor and dignity of that person and accuse him of like committing suicide, but even suicide that's unacceptable. It's a haram in every religion, so we're accusing the Prophet of actually thinking of doing something haram, he was going to do it according to these versions, Jibra'il had to stop him. And this, uh, this uh, idea that you come up with, it's very uh, fluid in Christianity, they yeah. say all the Prophets who committed uh, haram, who, some of them they say slept with their own daughters and had children, it's because God... They want to humanize God, them, right. God wanted yeah. us to have examples. I mean, I'm not saying it's okay, it's terrible wrong, I mean, it's completely wrong, but I'm just saying like... So let's ask this question to an average Muslim. Did God choose the Prophet or that randomly just happened? Of course He was chosen, the Quran says that, the Hadith says that, the Prophet He Himself. Did God decide on that day to choose Him or even before He created Adam, the Prophet says, I was a Prophet when Adam was clay. Okay, so a man like that, how can he not know what's going on? It's impossible, I mean he knows he's been, he's been chosen by God, how can he not know? How can he not know? And why would the, and why would the angel of God do that to him? What is, the, what is God humanizing here? What is God trying to achieve? He's telling his angel squeeze this man and suffocate him, why? Why? Why are you, why are you doing that? You're punishing him for something? What did he do wrong? And for what would he need to send, like make an example of him for if he already sent how many other prophets before him? Exactly, and what kind of example? What can we learn from that? Right, so our response to that is what is there to learn from that? You know the difficulties the prophets went through are lessons for us, we can learn from. What is this for us to learn from? That if one day God chooses you, he's gonna send an angel to suffocate you? Right? It just doesn't add up. Why would that even happen? If that's an angel, a heavenly being, that wouldn't make sense for how an angel would operate even. It's like, how, how are they angels if they're going to go around attacking people? It just wouldn't make sense. Would it be, now, yes. Uh, would it be possible <coughs> that these stories were concocted by non-Muslims as Jews pretending to be Muslims? We're going to examine who probably forged these fa these hadiths and fabricated them. One argument that we could give them is that when God himself 
created a voice and that voice spoke to me Musa, which is a direct creation of God, not an angel or mediation in between. Musa did not react in such a way, but the prophet who is even above Musa is reacting in such a way. So right, no other prophet of God in the history of prophets, whether in our books or even the Bible, they were traumatized like this when God sent them a message. You know, why is the messenger of God having to go through this? Did Musa have to go through this? Did Isa have to go through this? Isa, the second he was born, he was speaking verses of God so peacefully. But the prophet at age 40, the little baby can say it peacefully, but the 40-year-old prophet, he's got to tremble and shake and almost die. What kind of judgment is that? Just ridiculous. Yes, brother. Well, they say he was so traumatized, you know, he lost his mind, started having convulsions and he just didn't know what he was doing. In any case, that version says that he went to Khadija, he told her about that. Then, you know, she sent after Waraka ibn Nofel and she informed him and some other names you find, you know, being mentioned. One of them one of those people that Khadija consulted was a man supposedly by the name of Adas. Adas gave her, you know, uh, a solution, a way to figure out whether this is an angel or some demon, you know, harassing the Prophet. He told Khadija, I've written something, I don't know, something like that, like that breaks a spell, right? Take this and put it on the back of the Prophet. And if there's a spell on him, this is going to break the spell. Then some versions tell us that he, Khadija was told, here's another way to figure out if this is an angel or a demon. Put the head of Muhammad in your lap when the angel comes to you, comes to Muhammad, right? Because the angel would repeatedly come to the Prophet. So if that happens, take the Prophet's head like open your shirt, put the Prophet next to your chest and remove your hijab, expose your hair. If it's an angel, the angel will feel ashamed and leave. If it's a demon, the demon will stay and not respect that you've taken off your hijab. Ridiculous, you know, version after ridiculous version. First of all, first of all, hijab was not wajib at that time. Hijab became wajib in Medina, not in Mecca. In Mecca, while hijab was a virtue, it was not wajib. Secondly, you don't have to cover yourself from an angel, right? There, every person has two angels. Every woman has two angels, you know. How come she's not covering her hair from those two angels? The angels, they don't have the same obligations we have. So what if Jibra'il sees Khadija without hijab? So what? What happens? What's the harm? Do we have a verse or a hadith that says angels can't see Khadija, you know? Um, with her hair exposed. So we have some of these very outrageous versions. Yes, some of them are Sahih Hadiths, absolutely. And they defend them. See their speakers, right? And their religious leaders, they talk about these Hadiths and they defend them. Yes, this is exactly what happened to the Prophet. They defend them till this very day. Yes, brother. 
they took it even a step further unfortunately. Now who are some of those people who have narrated these hadiths? One of them is Az-Zuhari. Az-Zuhari he was known for his close relationship to Bani Umayyah, the Umayyads. He narrates this hadith from Urwa ibn Zubair. Urwa ibn Zubair, he was known for fabricating hadiths against Imam Ali and he was known for being a hypocrite. We have clear indications from Sunni sources that he was a hypocrite. How are we going to trust him? Then we have Aisha as the source of these traditions. Well, this is problematic for a number of reasons, but the first most important reason is that according to the Sunni version that she was nine when the Prophet married her and so on and so forth, she was not even born when all of this happened. Who's she narrating this from? Because these hadiths in Bukhari and others, they list Aisha as the source. She doesn't say, I heard this from my husband, the Prophet, he told me, or from my father Abu Bakr or whoever it was. She just says, this happened to the Prophet. Okay, what's her source? She wasn't alive here according to their, you know, uh, version and according to their claims. She was so young, she was not even alive here. So who's she narrating this from? Who's her source? The Prophet, she doesn't say it's the Prophet. Who is it then? Khadija? She never, you know, got any information from Khadija. She never even met her. So what's going on over here? So this tells us that these fabric, these uh, hadiths were fabricated. These hadiths were actually uh, fabricated and they were primarily fabricated by the Umayyads. The Umayyads wanted to paint a very negative image of the Prophet. We have so many clues on that and so many correct historical accounts that tell us Muawiyah and Yazid and others, they would actually pay narrators to fabricate hadiths against the Prophet to show that he makes mistakes, that he was demonized, that he wanted to commit suicide, there was a spell on him, he made a lot of mistakes to justify their own mistakes. So that when people object to them, hey you rulers, you're immoral, you're doing this, they would say, well, the messenger of God, he made mistakes here and too. If shaitan, you know, misguided Yazid sometimes, well, shaitan also misguided the prophet sometimes and so on and so forth. So this was a way to justify their position. Number two, Waraka ibn Nawfal. We see all these stories were fabricated around Waraka ibn Nawfal because Waraka ibn Nawfal came from those tribes that were close to the Zubairis and these others and they wanted to give him such a huge role in the religion of Islam so that their descendants, many of those who narrated these hadiths were from the descendants of the tribe of Waraka ibn Nawfal to say that, hey, you know, our grandfather Waraka or the one who came from our, you know, tribe, he was the one who confirmed to the Prophet that he was a messenger so they wanted to claim some credit for themselves. And then you had some people from the people of the book who supposedly became Muslim but they were hypocrites. They fabricated many of these hadiths as well in order to de-sanctify the Prophet Because the Prophet had such high esteem, such an honorable figure, some did not want that in the Muslim community so they fabricated 
all these hadiths, unfortunately.